and we are on Hollywood Boulevard. Here we are, guys. How's it going? Happy summer, by the way. Crazy. I know. It hasn't felt like summer here. How about, has it been warm in New York? Uh, no, we had like a, a few random very hot days, but this past weekend was like downright chilly. It was fall-like. Yes. It was fall-like. I, got, I went out... I feel like it might have been like yesterday or something like that, or maybe like, and I was just like, oh my God, it's like fall. Like, I just was like, it smelled like fall. It felt like fall. I was like, Jesus Christ, it's like fall. Like, what happened? Which I loved because I'm a big fan of fall. It's my favorite season, but it was June and I was ready for a different kind of weather. Yeah. I like summer, though, so I'm not ready for fall yet. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I hope you get some good summer coming your way very soon. And I think you will. I think you will. I hope so too. I hope so too. So we are on on the on the boulevard, and we've got like stuff to talk about, and like stuff, I, like yeah. stuff. And I feel like we're going to be surprised because we didn't really check in. Prior we are going to gonna be surprised, yeah. Because I was like, I got stuff, so uh, I will just unleash it uh, on Karen, <laughs> and and I knew that we would be able to fill time. Um, so I'll go first because okay. I have a I have a big movie to recommend. Oh, um, I'm gonna call it a must see because it's definitely one of the best movies I've seen this year. Hmm. And there there will be no more suspense. I'll tell you. It's, okay. Because I'm like I'm wondering. I'm like, am I supposed to guess? It's called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, and it stars Emma Thompson. Have you heard of this? I don't think I have. Um, I think it came through like Sundance or something and then was was picked up by Hulu. But she plays a woman named Nancy Stokes, who is a widow in in England. Um, And she is waiting to meet a male prostitute, a sex worker that she has hired because she has had a very limited sexual experience in her life and has never in fact achieved orgasm. Um, And so she wants to try now. Um, And so we see them and several of their encounters in this fancy hotel room that she has booked for the two of them. Um, and a lot of the conversation, not all of it, but a lot of the conversation is is pretty much is frank about her um, inhibitions, her shyness, what she hasn't experienced, and the awkwardness of even talking about it with someone. Um, uh, and then it's Leo, who is played by this fantastic actor named Daryl McCormick, um, who as he tries to put her at ease and 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 help her. And so it's, I mean, it's a sexually frank movie, um, but it's in no way uh, gratuitous. And there isn't a large focus on actual sex scenes. There's a lot of, I won't, it's not even clinical talk. It's just like direct talk about sex and bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it's also about how Leo, the sex worker, is, is so adroit at pulling these clients out of their shell. Um, We only see him with uh, Nancy, Emma Thompson's character. He speaks a little bit about how he's been able to help working with other clients. Um, But he's very good um, in terms of being able to, to reach her. 
and um, the, the two of them are just fantastic. It's it's definitely one of the best things Emma Thompson has ever done, just because she is so natural in her character's skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it's it's the kind of movie that like goes there, which and it's not afraid to be about sex without without being a sex movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It. I didn't see any evidence of it. It's written by a writer named Katie Brand. And if you told me it started out as a play, wouldn't surprise me at all because it's largely a two-hander set over uh, a handful of scenes between the two of them. And the dialogue that the two of them has, you know, like kind of crackles, but also feels very natural. Um, and it's it's just a fantastically intimate movie where you get to know more about both of these people who I'll say both of them are also using fake names. So there is that sense of of like artifice involved too but they're you know both so wonderfully naturalistic and i also have to say yeah so we all know emma thompson is great it's not a surprise that she's excellent in this it's just nice to see she's again being excellent uh daryl mccormick is one of of the greater finds i think in recent years this guy is a real pro because that's a very difficult role that he's playing um he's able to suggest a whole life that we'll never know because the character doesn't come out and tell us and at the same time everything he does do and say really makes total sense and seems to all add up and be justified he's really charismatic he's really dynamic um I think he was on Peaky Blinders, in fact. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that last week. Yeah. So you may know who he is. Yeah, he looks familiar. He's also He was also in The Wheel of Time for three episodes. Okay, I never watched yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, so, so he looks this, very familiar. Yeah. Um, so I'm, like, I maybe wouldn't watch it with your daughter, but I would definitely recommend this. This is definitely a, a strongly um, put together and strongly acted film. And I just want to mention the director, Sophie Hyde, who does, I just, I think a magnificent job. Um, now is this a, a is this a, I saw it in the theater or is this streaming or where streaming is on Hulu? Oh, but, and here's the thing. Cause the rules that were changed during COVID have changed back in the last two years that would have made this film Oscar eligible. It never had and has no current plans to be screened in theaters. So this is, I presume, Emmy eligible. It's considered a TV movie. Um, But this is definitely what I would consider one of the best movies in any form I've seen this year. Wow. And it's not going to be able to be, and it won't be Oscar eligible. I mean, if the studio behind it can just like screen it, I guess, for seven days in New York and LA. Um, I, then I think they can do it. It's, you know, it's, it's searchlight pictures, which gets their indie movies out there. I don't know why they're not. It seems almost punitive. Um, because this movie, I think, generated excellent buzz from the time it was screened, whatever, four or five months ago at Sundance. But um, Especially with Emma Thompson. That seems I mean, to be, yeah. That's, you would that's think. like money in the bank with her in that regard, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, it might not sell the tickets they, you know, it might not do box, no, no, box I wouldn't, office. I wouldn't expect it to be a monster money yeah, maker. But, but yeah, but if, if you want you it just to be eligible. have an opportunity to get awards, you mm-hmm. know, like, do, yeah. do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Oh, weird. Or BAFTA even, or you know what I mean? Like this is this is kind of insane. Uh yeah, it seems very short sighted to me. Yeah. Well, 
I'm not making the movies, so what do I know? No, I'm not I'm not paying to have them distributed, so what do I know? <laughs> um, but yes, so you can watch it on Hulu and you can vote for it at the Karen Awards. Yes, I will. Wonderful. So big, big recommendation. Um, good luck to you, Leo Grand. And also, I expect to see a lot more of Daryl McCormick after this. And I bet you will. Um, so I know you have stuff to talk about and I know I have more. Okay. Um, well, I, we can briefly talk about under the banner of heaven. Well, here's the thing. We can talk about it as long as you want. I have not seen all of it. This is one of those that we are refusing to binge. We're doing one episode at a time, um, and paying full attention to it. So we're just about halfway there, but I can appreciate and understand a lot of what you are, um, going to say. Also, I remember when the book was published and I remember when this real life incident happened and reading about it. So it's a little difficult to truly spoil. So I don't know that you have to worry about that, but I don't know what I don't know. So I'll just let you talk as much as you want about it. Okay. Well, I did not remember the, the, um, this, the, I did not remember the book. I actually, I did not know the book and I did not remember the incident that it was based on. And it was in the seventies, right? I don't know. I how think you it's early. That. I think it's early eighties. No, I remember. Um, I remember when the book was published because it was a big deal. John Krakauer, like into the wild, into thin air, all of those. So um, I remember reading about the the events, okay, like as as part of the book's publishing. So basically, the gist of Under the Banner of Heaven is, and this is no spoiler because it happens right at the beginning, there is a murdered woman and her baby, um, and they it takes place in Utah, and they are members of the Mormon church. And so now um, the detective, uh, lead detective played by Andrew Garfield, um, uh, Jeb Pyrie, has to, you know, find out who killed this woman and all signs are pointing to members of her husband's family because yeah, which, is, which has a lot of, of shit going on behind the scenes. Yeah. So there's a big sort of, it's, it's sort of a family drama Definitely. and it, yeah. it, it, it's a, it's a family drama kind of umbrellaed by a sort of detective thriller mm-hmm. story. Um, which I thought I thought was super interesting to kind of watch. I was like you. I only watched like an episode at a time. I maybe two if I was really feeling it. It was what it was definitely one of those shows that you had to watch slowly, and not because you didn't like it, but it just it it kind of did command your attention, and it demanded your attention. Um, I, and so and and it was a little bit of a complicated story. There were a lot. Of, I will say there, that there's a lot, there of, a lot moving of family. Parts. Yeah, there are a yeah. lot of moving parts. There, it's a big family. Um, they're, yeah, they're all boys, you know. And at one point, they all have beards, so it gets yeah. a little hard to yeah. keep track of them. Um, and it shifts back and forth. It's it's sort of like this time traveling story because it shifts like back and forth to like 
you're in the present day after the murders and he's interviewing all the family members, but then you have, you know, you have the flashbacks to the family, the, the family member before she was murdered, meeting the family, stuff like that. And then they flash back even further to give you some background into the Mormon church because. Yes. They go back know, and forth. Yes. Yeah. So there sort of is a lot of like backtracking and going like way back and, you know, sort of talking about the history of, of the Latter-day Saints and how they came about. And, and there's a bit of revisionist history that sometimes gets corrected, you know, and, um, you know, in particular um, by Andrew Garfield, Jeff Pyrie's uh, partner, who is a, a Native American, and I can't remember, um, I think it's the Peyote Nation he was from. I know it's there's peyote, but I feel like it was peyote. I'm trying to remember. I don't. I can't remember. Off the I top can't of my remember head. either. And that 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 character is played by Gil Birmingham. Yeah, who who's great. I love him. He is also in Yellowstone. Um, he's just absolutely wonderful, and it's so great to see him in so much right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, because he's he's just fantastic. Um, in any role he plays, I am always very happy um, when I see him. So anyway, it's it's a good. I think it's a good series. I think it's very strongly acted. I think it's very well written. Um, I think it's very engaging. I think that it's telling a super interesting story. Um, the ending is a bit of a shocker. It's a little bit of a surprise, and um, and I was happy for that because you know I I kind of. It, it was just, it was a good ending. It was actually a very good ending um, that I kind of wasn't really expecting. Um, and and the other thing that made this so good is that it wasn't just Andrew Garfield's character, who, by the way, is a pretty compelling actor. Oh, he's really good in this. Can't say I've seen him in much or paid. You know what I mean? But like, well, he's quite good. Yeah, in this. and and Alyssa and I were both kind of tiring of him, and I'd not been impressed by him in a while. Um, and we both sort of came around watching this and we're like, uh, he's very good in this. It was. It seemed like a surprising role because I think for several years now, I mean, Hollywood has been trying to paint him as a heartthrob, right? Yeah, but I think we've chined, we've kind of shifted that to like serious actor. Is but but I don't think he's had really good stuff. I mean, yeah, he right. was nominated this year for an Oscar for the Tick Tick Boom movie that I wasn't really crazy about, and I wasn't crazy about him in it. And I was like, I think this is kind of what we're gonna get, like big marketing campaigns for him and things that I find kind of hard to believe but um no from the very beginning he had me here yeah and so i was sort of surprised to see him in this role where he is not a sort of sex symbol heart throbby leading man role he's really kind of it's re it's a real character actor part yeah yeah it's true yeah. you know and i was and i'm kind of wondering if that's you know a direction that he's going to go in too um, which wouldn't be bad for him. I actually think that he is a fantastic character actor, and maybe that's been the problem the whole time. He is not a leading man. That could be it. Because I, I, I didn't buy him. 
as yeah. a leading man. And let him go be a character actor because I thought he was fantastic. And not and then not only like I didn't buy him as Spider Man or whatever. I mean I didn't buy him when he did Angels in America on Broadway. I didn't buy him when he did Death of a Salesman on Broadway. So it was uh, it was a lot of things. Um but I bought him here. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not done, but I don't envision it changing. Yeah. Yeah. I bought him here. But throughout, yeah. I mean, the, it's a really incredible cast. Um, and a lot of, of names that we actually know from the stage primarily in um, Under the Banner of Heaven. So really, because I did not, like, I recognize some of, I did not recognize a whole lot of them, though. And I was like, who are you? Well, one of the brothers is uh, Sam Worthington, back what from the era of like Avatar and whatever Terminator he was in, Salvation. Like he was like the next big thing like 12 years ago. And he kept working, but out of the the the, the real spotlight. Okay. But um, one of the other brothers is Wyatt Russell, who is... Goldie and Gone and Kurt Russell's right. son, who's actually right. talk about good character actors. He's excellent. He was excellent, and I actually did not realize that he—that's who he was, and that's how good he was. That like you didn't get the. And now that I'm looking at him, I'm like, oh yeah, like on his picture on IMDb, I'm like, oh my god, he looks just like Kurt Russell. But like, but he—they're really all, but they're really all blending right into their character. Yeah, yeah, but but you would have never like guessed it. He was very good. Very, very yeah, good. Yeah, really, really good. And um, another brother is played by an actor who I actually know a little in real life, uh, but know him from work here in New York, uh, Seth Numeric, um, one of the other bearded brothers. Um, and I think he's doing really good work. And also, we got a Culkin in this. We got Rory a Culkin. Culkin who is downright scary. Yes, he is. I mean, in a in a performance way, not a human way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. He is scary. Um. So I think this one, I mean, is a really a really worthwhile uh, show to watch. Yeah, I agree, and I and I really enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed um and and I I enjoyed this, and I did enjoy the story. I mean, I really thought that it was fascinating. Um, how it was, you know, how, how, how you turn, how this family turned fundamentalist. Right. You know, because right. that was sort of the crux of the, of the story. And again, I don't feel like I'm getting away, I'm giving away too much is like, you know, you have, you have your, you know, you have your Mormons, uh, your, 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 uh, and then you have your fundamentalist Mormons. Well, and now and uh, it's... the you know, the one, the polygamists and, the, yeah, you know, yeah, and they're yeah. very much, you know, anti-government and, you know, uh, what was his name? Warren Jeffs or whatever, you know, that, that was, he was a fundamentalist. And I know I'm not done. So some of this is conjecture, but I really feel like it is a very like American story oh, and how you much. see how this family ultimately fractured and turned some on the others kind of. Um, and maybe that's not how it plays out, but in a metaphorical way, that's how I think of it too. Yeah, very much. And it also is sort of like the corruption of religion, right? I yeah. mean, I think at, yeah. at its heart and, and that's what I wanted to, we got off on a little Andrew Garfield tangent, but that's actually what I really liked about this was we actually got a journey for the detective that was beyond the journey of solving the case. Yeah. 
And it was sort of his own grappling because he is a Mormon. He went to church with these people. He knew, yeah. He knows yeah. them in a very different context. And he is getting pressure from inside the church to not make it a Mormon thing, right? Like, like they, you know, like it's he. And so he is in a really tough position with, you know, who he is and what his faith is. And he is grappling with a lot of that. Um, and at which you're, you're going to see a lot more of as in the later episodes. I, I imagine yeah. yeah yeah I mean that really kind of comes to a head in the later episodes um but I but I really appreciated that they they showed that complication as well and it wasn't just and his his growth wasn't just moving through to solve the case it actually there actually was some sort of like you know deeper personal um demons that he was fighting and that he had to sort of like make his way through yeah I anticipate much of that. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to, to finishing this. But for me, it's already uh, another recommendation. Absolutely. Everybody go watch it. It's and also good. and also do read the book, because John Krakauer is one of our best nonfiction research authors out there. And uh, yeah, I, I think the book is really good. I, I looked up the book and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But you, you think it's worth it? Yeah, I okay. think so. Okay. And I don't remember all of it because it's been quite a while since reading it but i remember thinking yeah this is good i mean he has access to to so many people and no matter what he's writing about and the facility that he's able to then synthesize it all together in a way that's also very um kind of palatable for regardless of subject matter for whoever's reading it's a it's a pretty unique skill and he really really excels at it so yeah okay i will i will take a look at it oh uh, did he like write like journalism or his is he is he the like or did he just do nonfiction books i think he started in the world of journalism okay all right i'm just um i'm trying to think what's his oh yeah now i see it come up like like, if i knew where he went to college or anything um but i think he definitely oh okay Oh. oh yeah, and he did um, a lot of writing for outside, which makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. He like he does it a lot with like with nature, with camping, with yeah. outdoors. That yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, I I will look at this. Um, uh, several other shows I can talk about, uh, but none of them are shows I think on your radar. I mean, that like you have any plans to watch, um. But on Showtime, we just watched the first season of I Love That For You with Vanessa Bear. Um, partly created by Vanessa Bear, who is from Saturday Night Live. I think she had seven or eight seasons and left a year ago. Um, in real life, I think she is a childhood or teen cancer survivor. And... And also grew up watching QVC. And so she fuses all of that together for this show, uh, dramedy, um, about a woman who wants to be a public figure and dreams of being one of the QVC hosts. It's not called QVC on the show. I think it's called SVN. Um, And she, too, is a childhood cancer survivor. Um, But when things don't work out very well in the beginning of her stint as a newly hired host on this uh, home shopping network. Um, She says that her cancer has come back as a means of garnering sympathy 
and attention and being impossible then to fire her. And so the tangled web forms from there. Um, she doesn't have a lot of allies because a lot of the other employees there are uh, fairly competitive and and catty. But the head of the network, who is played by Jennifer Lewis, most people know from from Blackish, has you know a lot a lot of attitude, but also a lot of authority. Um, and the way she decides to sort of manipulate um, this character's supposed diagnosis. Um, to the benefit of her network is is really interesting, and her one ally is probably uh, Molly Shannon as one of the more seasoned hosts. Um, I think it works pretty well. I think it's a great vehicle for Vanessa Bear, who really toes the line between a character that you just want to shake um, and tell to to get some sense, and someone who's really sweet and vulnerable and charming all at the same time. I'm curious where it has to go because to me it's kind of this is a movie plot not a TV show plot because it's the you know it's like Tootsie or Mrs. Doubtfire it's like from the very beginning there's the big lie and we just wait to watch for the near misses and for then to figure out how you will be discovered and then what's left after that so so I don't know what's left after this season but it was a pleasant surprise. Now, as someone who lives in a house where we watch QVC um, and whose fiance grew up in a house where they watch QVC, I I will say I I do too. (laughs) And I think the message is a little muddled in terms of sometimes it looks like they are praising the network and sometimes it looks like they're really trying to condescend to it. Um, and and including that maybe even like the people who watch it, the people who actually call in and buy things, um, it's not clear to me that that all of uh, um, the the network's portrayal comes from a place of love. Um, but 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 despite those, they're, they're they're it's a tonal thing that they have. Yeah, but I yeah I mean I also think like I have a love hate with QVC. Like I can I can watch the shit out of it. But I also have all sorts of, it's damaging, it's consu- like, you know, like it, it's really, I mean, 24-7 sales. And I think that a lot of people um, can get caught up in that. And and so I think that you can love it and still be critical of it. Yeah. And, so I think and it that's, be both things, right? Well, it can be, but then dig into that. I mean, okay, you do right. more than the show does. Uh, okay. Got it. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But but yeah, and the, oh, and uh, another cast member is Matt Rogers, who is part of the ensemble in the movie Fire Island I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, so he's really having a moment uh, right now. Actually, um, there's some shockingly, uh, some, like Jason Schwartzman is in here for a couple episodes, Ryan Felipe. Ryan Felipe was a was a, a big uh, guest appearance. I don't remember Jason Schwartzman now. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's, maybe, have you seen the whole thing? Maybe he hasn't. Oh, he's in the very, very, very beginning. Okay. All right. Gotcha. So, Uh, you know, there's some good, there's some good. One of my favorite TV character actresses, Bess Armstrong, has a a too small role as um, Vanessa Bear's mother on the show. Cool, cool. Um, Oh, and since we're talking about Showtime, I wanted to return to a show we mentioned weeks ago, the First Lady series that oh, is yes. the the Michelle Obama, Betty Ford, 
Eleanor Roosevelt uh, thing. Right. It was and? bad. It <gasps> sucked. It oh was no! Terrible. It was this, bad. This was the compromise. This is what we ended up doing. We watched half of the season. Um, we watched the whole episode. The Obama portions are are just too myth-making, and the Eleanor Roosevelt stuff is too preachy, and both felt false. So we just watched the Michelle Pfeiffer as Betty Ford scenes, and those are definitely the best done. <laughs> the, so, we only watched the scenes. <laughs> so each episode ended up being about 10 or 11 minutes for us. So I, I, I think it's really a missed opportunity, and... Um, like the just the whole way it's structured is very messy and not very professional. But if you want to watch it because you are like me, a fan of Michelle Pfeiffer, um, do what we did and just watch her scenes. Because here's the thing, it's among the best work she's done in years. It's just sandwiched in this doo-doo series. So I that's my uh, mixed review. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer is doing great Emmy worthy natural work. She's truly great in the Betty Ford stuff, but that's all I can vouch for here. So I guess the moral of the story is give Michelle Pfeiffer more work. That's the moral every day. Yeah. Every day. Um, so yeah. Anything else on your end? No, I mean, probably, but I forgot. I mean, we did finally... (laughs) I mean, we did finally watch the first episode of Stranger Things, and it was really okay. good. Yeah, and they're all, you know, like, they're, they're chock full of good stuff. So yeah, you might so, well... so I'm like, okay, I am looking forward to this. and I'm Take still... your time with it, but also, the final two episodes, which are both, like, feature film length. Um, yeah, I know, they're not are, they're, Jan- July, they're, July, right? Well, July 1st, which means by the time you get through these other episodes, you'll oh, probably be, be ready for the new oh, ones. Oh, perfect, perfect. Oh, good. Um, so I'm glad that we were kind of dragging our feet on that. And Peaky Blinders continues to be disappointingly awful. Oh, damn. I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah, not enjoying it. Um, well, that's too bad. Oh, but I have a pleasant surprise to talk about. And I kind of teased it on the other podcast. We started watching another show that we hadn't. It's been around for a couple of years. Um, and we were like, this isn't for us. We don't want to watch it. No, 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 no. And uh, we just gave ourselves over to Euphoria on HBO. Oh, and it's it's pretty fucking good. Really? Yeah. It's so. Here's the thing, and this is what I was mentioning. It's far less realistic, though it dabbles in gritty real life issues, like like addiction and you know all sorts of like crazy teen behavior. Right. Um. If you watch it as a straight-on realistic depiction of these things, it's just implausible. But if you just sort of give yourself over to it, because like it's told with such fantastical flourishes. I mean, the sets, the camera work, the lighting, everything is something that's a little bit um, hyper-realistic. Um, not unlike, say some of the camera work Scorsese employed in Goodfellas or something like that. You know, it's like high octane, high energy, rapid editing, kind of ADHD audience baiting storytelling. Um, You know, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of sex. It's a lot of talk about sex. It's a lot of, you know, depictions of drug use. It, 
it's like Riverdale meets Dawson's Creek meets 90210 in that regard because they're all so like self-assured and like unaccountable for stuff the way only really happened in TV series. They always have the right comeback and there's no mess that can't be cleaned up and there's no price tag that seemingly like can't just uh, be met that sort of thing. But by and large, the actors, and I guess it's mostly 20-something actors that are playing the teen characters, really, really, really good. Hmm. They dig really deep. So, um, no, I have a lot of praise for the cast. Zendaya herself, I think, is on the lower end of that spectrum. Um, Judd Apatow's daughter, maybe also on the the weaker side of that uh, spectrum, but all the other actors are, are quite good. Um, and also, Eric Dane, who's one of the characters' um, parents from Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if you ever watched. Oh that. yeah, but I, I never. You know, I, I know he was him though. Yeah, I know yeah. Him. yeah, yeah. Um, like he's he's doing really great work as well, and it happens so rarely. Whenever I see like a really attractive or hunky actress or actor doing really good work, um, I feel the need to salute them. So Jacob Elordi, who is this like really hot Australian model actor, um, <laughs> as one of the truly conflicted, diabolical teen characters on the show, is doing great work. I've seen his name a lot on social media, but I think it's mostly because he's, he's a and popular, and yeah. you know, I think he's dated this actress and such and such. Um, but I really want to salute him for the work he's doing as well. It's, it was a very pleasant surprise uh, how impressed I was with the cast. And some of the storytelling thus far, I've seen a season of two. Um, but also, you know, but also how good a lot of uh, these actors are. Huh. I don't know that I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still really on the fence about it, but I'm, I'm, I might give it a try. Yeah, I would, yeah, I wouldn't tell you to move it up further um than other things i'd certainly watch the stranger things first um uh. mostly because i want to talk about it again uh but but you know when the emmy nominations roll around in a couple of weeks if i see a lot of euphoria in there i'll get it okay so there's that but do you think it would be taken seriously enough to no. Oh yeah, because Zendaya already has one Emmy for this show. So oh, she does. So I think okay. it's taken seriously. Okay, so it is taken seriously. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I would like to see the wealth spread around this time. Right. Um, and I would also like to shed some light on a play that I saw. Oh. It wasn't just streaming shows. I was also going to the theater, and this one is a little special to me because uh, one of the cast of four in this show uh, called Corsicana, playing at Playwrights Horizons, written by the playwright Will Arbery, uh, one of the performers gave one of my favorite performances on stage last season and was my highlight of the Tony Awards when she, Deirdre O'Connell, won Best Actress for a show that we've talked about in the past called Dana H., um, which was, she's a remarkable, talk about your character, actors. She's a, a truly veteran of the New York stage, of, of up and down East Coast theater, and a lot of TV and some film work. Um, truly a gifted, transcendent actress. Yeah. And she won for one of, I think, are her true stage highlights in a nice sort of surprise. Um, 
And she and so she's in this show, Corsicana. We saw her just two or three days following her Tony win. And she is a nice human. Have you worked with her? I have worked with her. I'm glad to hear that. I've met her. She was nice to me, but I'm glad to hear that. Oh, no, she's lovely. She's wonderful. I feel like she couldn't be the actress she is if there was any bullshit to her. Yeah, no, she like she is such a kind human being. She's lovely. Yeah, sometimes the good guys win. Yeah, yeah, so it was lovely to see her. Because she. it's really taken a while for her to get her due, right? Like, I mean, yeah, she I is so. one of those, like... Look, she's not courted it. Yeah, she is, like, just one of those journeyman actors. She wants to do it out there doing the work and a lot of off Broadway, a lot of small things um, and just really like lighting up the theater scene. And so it's really nice to see her get, um, you know, not only work, but also the recognition that. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Up. And she yeah. spoke to just that when she won in her speech, you know, she said, uh, if you're deciding between doing the work that will make a lot of money, that will get me a Tony award or doing the thing that, that frightens me and haunts me the weird art she held up her tony and said make the weird art so that's clearly been her mantra through her career but luckily enough for her and for us she's been um you know employed a heck of a lot um and and she plays in corsicana uh a family friend to these two characters a uh brother and sister who are in their 30s um he is a a kind of wayward, um, emotionally open film professor in their small Texas town. And she is his uh, sister who has Down syndrome. Um, and they're both going through a lot. Um, and and Dee Dee O'Connell's character is like the best friend of their mother who has fairly recently passed away. Um, and she kind of lures in a friend of hers who is a musician to kind of take Ginny, the sister under his wing for a bit. And, um, you know, just kind of engage her, give her an audience, pay her attention because she's an Island on her own. And it's a very patient play. Uh, mostly a lot of two handers. It's one character and an- another one talking about something as opposed to all four characters typically in in one space at the whole time. And uh, it's probably the most straightforward of the three shows I've seen of of this playwright. Will Arbery was a Pulitzer finalist two years ago for a show called Heroes of the Fourth Turning, Mm -hmm. which kind of purported to be about how, you know, Christian conservatives lived. And mm, I don't know. I don't think it fully had the courage of its convictions. And he did a really cool play called Plano uh, before that. Um, He is from Texas. Much of his work will be set there, I imagine. Uh, uh, That was like a a really irreverent kind of play about the lives of three sisters, um, where nothing there was was super realistic. This is a bit more sentimental. This is a bit more straightforward. and and I, I you know I think it worked quite well as you know kind of more conventional as it is the performances are all very good um, so yeah one of the the early new shows to premiere in the the new New York theater season and I, um, I don't always love the work that the director Sam Gold does on stage because sometimes I think he fusses with stuff for the sake of just putting a new angle on it. Mm, he, okay. You know, he sort of 
made his reputation working with Andy Baker and they right. did some really great shows together. They were, they were all small, intimate kind of no fuss shows. And I thought they were really beautiful. Um, and then he started adapting shows. He did a King Lear with Glenda Jackson a couple of years ago. He did a glass menagerie with Sally Field a couple of years prior to that. He did a, a Hamlet at the public theater with um, what's his name? Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac. Um, and like, they were all variations on terrible because he <laughs> kept he just kept staging them and setting them in in new places and made them so ridiculous and so unfaithful to the material at hand um and this i'm not crazy about some of the the set design it doesn't really make sense there's a rotating set there are two couches whose backs are to each other and i'm not sure if there's supposed to be some sort of mirroring imagery involved with that but it doesn't really come through mm-hmm. but the actors all come through so um harold surratt and will dagger are the two male actors in the show as i've mentioned dd o'connell is wonderful in it um and then jamie brewer plays Ginny, the sister who has down syndrome uh jamie brewer i believe is credited as being the first performer with down syndrome to play a lead role in new york for a show that she did a few years ago called Amy and the Orphans that she and the Orphans that she was very good in. Um, she's also been in uh, the Ryan Murphy universe on TV, including several American horror stories. Um, and like I said, this is semi-autobiographical. Playwright Will Arbery is the youngest of seven. I think he has six older sisters and one of them has Down syndrome in real life. Yeah. So I think he took a lot of that experience uh, and put it in the show. A lot of the references in the show feel like they must be specific, um, including like bands and songs that the sister likes. That sort of thing feels very specific. He also talks about an experience that the character, the brother played by Will Dagger has as a teenager where Ginny, the sister, when she's young, claims that he has touched her inappropriately. Um, That comes up in the show, but it's a detail that's given more as exposition than something that actually helps drive the plot. And I just wonder if that was something or similar to something that had happened in real life that he put it, that he put in there because the show which runs about two hours and 40 minutes is so saturated with those details and you don't need all of them for the show itself that i feel like he took a lot maybe that that resembled real life or was exactly from real life and put it in there at any rate it's running the summer at playwrights horizons uh it's an excellent cast of four so uh it's another recommendation for me so doug is starting summer on a high note Wow. Amazing. So much nicer to be positive. It is, isn't it? And there we are. And Karen must be yawning. Karen's yawning. Karen's had a long day. So there we are, guys. We hope you're doing well. If there's anything uh, you want us to talk about, watching, seeing, listening to, reading, whatever, um, reach out to us on our Facebook page, Back on the Block Pod. And otherwise, uh, we'll be here again next week to talk about more culture for you guys on the boulevard. So uh, catch you then. Okay. Bye. Bye.